Um, I guess I wanted to start, if it's all right with you, just to talk about the process of selecting pieces. When you play solo, do you have a process for selecting pieces? Do you wait right before the concert, or, or is it different every time? Or... Um, you know, I have, I have a repertoire that I like to play solo, and then depending upon how long I'm playing and um, how I'm feeling, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just choose things. I mean, a lot of what I played tonight, I've been playing for a while. Um, but always trying to find new ways, new new things in them. Um, but I I had a vague idea of what I would do, and then I uh, decided then when I got here to warm up. Beautiful. Do you ever change course in the middle of a of a concert? Have you ever Sometimes. taken pieces away sure. or added new things? Yeah. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Have you performed totally free? Have you ever performed concerts without utilizing any comp? Com components. I have. I, I, you know, I have to say, it's a big challenge. And I would, I would like, that's something I'd really like to do. But I'm, um, I think I'm still uh, enough of a composer that I want to have some idea of the areas, at least, that I might get into and um, how I might make a satisfying I mean, I play free all the time with other people. Totally, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but not so much solo. It's something I'd really like to try to do. Actually, what I was thinking is I'd like to try to play, like, you know, a set-long piece without necessarily stopping and starting. Isn't solo playing versus collaboration, to me at least, it's almost an entirely different art form. It feels so different to perform solo. You're not bouncing ideas off of anybody. Right. So I can really see that translating into, while wow, totally playing completely free solo, it's, it's a different type of challenge. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, no one there to, to lean on. Yeah. Um, so it can be helpful to have some kind of template in place or pieces to go to. Yeah, or sure. like even just like areas, you know, right. like or techniques or, or um, yeah, textures and mm -hmm. things that I, I mean, I'm doing a certain amount of that anyway, right. but you know, to, to uh, develop that into a set long piece, I think, well, I think it would just take some more practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the selection tonight was varied. It was really beautiful and all the pieces were quite different. Um, could I wanted to ask you about that visual artist uh -huh. um, on the Red Beach piece and another piece too, I think I you I think I played three pieces Three actually. pieces, In fact, yeah. I have See the drawing. <laughs> um, What's his name again? Don Reich. Don Reich. Is he West Coast? Or? Uh, he, yeah, he was born and raised in California. Cool. Never left California. Pretty amazing artist, and um, but just didn't have any uh, ambition to move out of California or anyway. So I, I played um, I played this one called Park Mechanics. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. And I played, as you know, Red Beach. Yeah. And then I played this uh, abstract one he calls piano music. So all of the titles of the pieces are named, are his titles for his drawings. Right, okay. How big were they? What's that? How big? They're, um, they vary, you know. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't even actually seen all the originals. He sent me JPEGs of a bunch of things. Um, but they vary from, you know, uh, like this size to, you know, 
several feet. I think that water is it still it's right there. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, when you're working with the visual piece like that, um, are you maybe you could talk a little bit about how you would translate something like that? Are you do you see colors when you improvise? Um, is it more kind of more of an abstract kind of idea where you're seeing something and you're maybe taking the texture and using that in an improvisation? Like, what is your relationship to visual material mm -hmm. and sound? Basically? I think um, I think it uh, varies from um, what the visual information is. You know, from totally. piece to piece or artist to artist. Um, but it's really, for me, it's like a dialogue. You mm -hmm. know, I'm responding, I'm not trying to translate. And, um, and I, I had to, I put these, I, I printed out these photographs and put them up in my studio and live with them for a couple of years. Cool. And cool. I occasionally would, you know, improvise looking at one of them or I'd r write, you know, words that came to mind as I was looking at it. Um, I started to get a sense of which ones felt more rhythmic, which ones felt more static. Um, and then I had a residency in Lisbon uh, for about two and a half weeks one summer. And I finally felt ready to then every day, you know, work on uh, writing the pieces. Oh, wow. And, um, but in some cases, I like the piano music one, I kind of approached almost like a graphic score. Okay, right. And some of them, it was, you know, there was some kind of internal narrative going on. And, and a lot of times, like that red beach one um, reminded me of when I would get to the Pacific Ocean at sunset in San Blas when I got to go on pilgrimage with some Huichol Indians. And so, you know, for all of these, his information, it's layered with my own experience Completely. and association. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned graphic scores. So you had, you had, in addition to responding to a visual work like this, you've also worked with graphic notation. Not so much. Okay. Yeah, yeah I haven't found that it's been uh, like a particularly useful way for me to work. I tend to work more with. Uh, more traditional notation and then text directions.
if we could back up a little bit, uh, you have connections with the Chicago area. Born in Evanston and grew up near Evanston. Yeah, grew up Glencoe. in Glencoe. Yeah. What were some of your early earliest musical experiences? Well. Did you grow up in a musical family? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yes, my family. My parents were music lovers. They didn't play. My older siblings. My siblings are eleven and thirteen years older than me. Okay. Um, were already playing the piano when I was a baby. So. Wow. Um, so you were I, absorbing. I was yeah, but um, they were into country music and. R&B and soul music and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I grew up listening to all of that along with a lot of classical music. But my earliest piano teacher is a great uh, famous Chicagoan, Erwin Helfer. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. For the people who know who he is, please, like, amazing. And I don't want to categorize him as only a boogie-woogie piano no, player, because no, he does everything. And, um, yeah. But he is phenomenal. He and is. When I was doing some research, I saw that you studied with Erwin. I'm like, wow, that is so beautiful. Yeah. I started with him when I was about five. And, wow. Um, and... Uh, I, you know, the best part of what I remember, I mean, I love the music he chose for me. He really chose great repertoire for me. But what I really loved was at the end of the lesson, he would play the blues and, and let me sit at the piano with him and I would imitate what he was playing. Wow. And uh, the, that was always that great so fun. Beautiful. Yeah. And he is still making music? Yeah. He's that's playing what I hear. in town. Every yeah. Tuesday night. Every Tuesday. And is he still night? riding his bicycle? Yeah. <laughs> he plays every Tuesday at the Hungry Brain. For free. For free. For free. Oh, wow. I hope he's not playing for free. I'm no. free. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, grew up in a house with music. Yes. But you had to have some kind of experience that made you think, I want to devote my life to music. That's not the music that I'm listening to in my house necessarily. Yeah. And was it Irwin that kind of set you on the path, or was some other experiences? Or I mean, Irwin was really important and influential early on, um, and then I studied at the Northwestern University Extension Program. Okay. Till I was about a freshman in high school, and I, you know, I really didn't want to be a classical pianist. And so I did other things in high school. And then when I got to college, I saw a sign for jazz piano lessons in a local restaurant. And I thought that sounded like fun. I, wanted, I missed playing the piano. And I started taking these jazz piano lessons. And pretty, I was at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, okay. which is kind of an experimental school. And I was there to study environmental science. But you know, just after a month of these lessons, I switched to music. And then I went to hear Leroy Jenkins, Amina Claudine Myers, and Farone Akloff at a little uh, wow. venue in Olympia. Mm -hmm. And I, it, you know, first of all, I had no idea. I'd never heard anything like that. I had no idea what they were doing. I didn't understand the music. But this light bulb went off over yeah. my head. I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to do with what my life. What were they doing in Olympia? Do, they, they had a gig in Seattle and in Portland. Oh, okay. And okay. there was a venue that would try to get them if they had a night off. That's amazing. Yeah. Because you, so you were there and you went. You were going to go to the New England Conservatory in Boston. Yeah, when I finished at Evergreen, I thought I should go to a real music school. So I, um, you know, I looked into, I auditioned and got into the, the Third Stream program, okay. which is what it was in those days. 
But then I moved to New York and Leroy had given me his phone number and I called him up and he had a workshop going on and I went to play in the workshop and then I called NEC and said, I'd like to defer for a year. And then after a year of living in New York, oh I decided God. I didn't really want to go back up to Boston, so I just stayed in New York. I studied with some great people in New York. Jackie Byard. Oh, yeah, I've heard Don Pullen. Mm-hmm. Henry Threadgill. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got to hang out around and listen to a lot of great people. Well, Muha Richard Abrams, all the ASCM I people. I love you talking about all the ASCM and, people. Um, Butch. And Butch Morris. Sure, yeah. sure. What were these workshops with Leroy like? We were working, he was having us learn his music for mixed quintet. Okay. Which was a recording he made, I think, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. I don't remember when it came out. Is it a GCLA? I don't even remember it's what label it's on. No, it's a different cover. Um... Anyway, it was a really beautiful sort of chamber-esque ensemble, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the pieces all involved improvisation. So he got this workshop together, and everybody in the workshop got to learn these pieces, which was great. Did you ever get to hear the Revolutionary Ensemble perform live? I don't think I ever heard them. I don't okay. remember. I think um, Cyrone must have already moved to Germany by the time okay. I got to New York, okay. yeah. I get very jealous whenever I hear people they say, I reunion. got to hear the revolution. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> no. one of the greatest bands yeah. that ever existed in the face of the earth. Um, Butch Morris's Conduction Ensemble. Um, would you describe working a little bit with Butch and his methods? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to get super detailed if you don't want to, but I just think it's fascinating. For people who don't know who Butch Morris is, I think it will be worth. Yeah. Well... Um, Butch, uh, at the time that I met Butch, he was still playing the cornet a little bit and conducting the David Murray Big Band at Sweet Mm -hmm. Basil. And I think that conducting, you know, suddenly seemed like it had a lot of potential for him. Mm -hmm. And um, he started convening ensembles of improvisers. In the beginning, we played a lot of his written music, but then he would conduct, make the arrangement on the spot and conduct the improvisation Mm -hmm. by bringing in different soloists. And then he started um, developing a system of cues so that he didn't even need to have any written music. There were cues to play, you know, really sort of basic musical materials, long tones, um, staccato sounds, mm-hmm. uh, repeated like uh, ostinati, um, cues to imitate what other people are doing, cues to solo over what other people are doing. And he just developed, I don't remember how many... Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight cues that he was really using. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, Howard knows a lot about Definitely. it. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, he... Um, Anyway, but I kind of got to be part of the, mm-hmm. the ensemble that helped, that was worked with him as he was developing this new way of working.
So one group, early group in New York that you had was with Leroy. It was a trio. Yeah, I wouldn't the, say it was early for me. Okay, okay. <clears throat> we got together in the late 90s with Equal Joseph interest? Jarman. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Joseph Jarman, Leroy. Did you all compose for that? Yeah. Oh, very yeah. cool. Are That's, there any recordings? That's the title. Yes. That's the name of the band. Yeah. Are there any recordings of that? Yeah, there's one on Omnitone. Excellent. Which I'm sure is out of print, but I still have some copies if anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind, I would love to talk about where you just were. You were in Pittsburgh performing with former Chicagoan Nicole Mitchell, yep. um, who now is on faculty at, at the University at Pitt, at, yeah, at, at yeah. University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, you described to me when I got you at the airport this project <clears throat> you were doing there. Yeah, they have a. Um, there's an organization there called City of Asylum, that has uh, started 15 years ago. To uh, they bought a bunch of houses in a rundown neighborhood, and uh, made them available to writers from countries. You know, writers who were in danger <clears throat> in their home countries and gave them asylum, basically. Uh, poets and um, essayists and um, fiction writers. And then they bought a building and in which they have a bookstore and a performance space. And they do mostly readings and concerts there. Um, and then they started a, an annual jazz and poetry festival that takes place more or less over two weekends in September. Fantastic. So I was invited uh, to do that, and since Nicole had just moved there, I thought it would be great to get to play with her. Have you and Nicole recorded? Yes, we have a couple recordings. Um, well, we have a couple recordings in the trio we have now with Joelle Leandra called sure. Tiger Trio. Sure. And then I'm on a couple, a couple of her recordings. <laughs> or at least one of them. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> really, just one more thing I want to get to, and then if it's okay with you, if we can open it up to see if the audience sure. has any questions, great. You studied harmonium in India. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about your experience there, where you were in India? Were you in the mm -hmm. north? Yes, I was in Calcutta, Kolkata, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, I had a Fulbright, and I met the teacher through uh, Samir Chatterjee. Some of you may know a great tabla player who lives in New York. And um, it was, you know, wow, it was like just being dropped into another world. Oh. Um, his daughter, he didn't speak any English or very little. His daughter, who was a really good vocalist, would come to the lessons and um, translate for him. But basically I learned, you know, the traditional way. I had to learn how to sing everything mm -hmm. first and then to play it on the harmonium. Um, and it was a, a great experience. It was also fraught with all kinds of cultural clashes. Um, and I, I eventually found a wonderful teacher at the end of my stay there in uh, Bombay and Mumbai who uh, was much younger and spoke English very well. And um, I, I, in some ways, I learned more and more quickly with him. Got but it. I really yeah. appreciate getting to experience that old, the, the tradition of how the music is taught.
Thank you.